At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. Hello, everybody. This is Jim Lockridge sitting in for Tom Proctor, who's usually hosting Rocket Shop, Big Heavy World's local music radio hour. You'll find Rocket Shop on 105.9 FM, The Radiator, every Wednesday between 8 and 9 p.m. Usually, we have a couple artists in here, uh, usually Vermont musicians. They, they talk for a while and perform, but tonight we have something entirely different. We have a group of people who are uh, giving us their time to have a conversation, uh, an informal conversation conversation, but a sincere one about building a community among uh, people who play or love music. And uh, our guests come from several different directions, and I'll give you a little bit of a background as to who we're speaking with here at the table. We're uh, all lined up uh, at a long banquet table inside the gallery at the SEBA Center on Pine Street, uh, the headquarters of Big Heavy World these days. So first off, down at the far end of the table is Griffin Jones. He's a music community organizer with the Friends and Family Booking Collective, which hosts DIY events, promotes new and emerging artists, and fosters the local underground music scene. Uh, find out more at facebook.com slash friendsandfamilyvt. Um, Brian LeClaire fronts the Burlington-based band Better Things and programs The Hub, a teen center and skate park serving at-risk youth of five towns in Addison County. He's the founder of a local community-run initiative to reinforce the safety and strengthen the relationship between the city's many local underground presenters called DIY Burlington. Meredith Davey is a local music promoter, an active participant of the Burlington music scene, and the singer and vocalist in the rock trio Gestalt. And Milo Grant is a community radio enthusiast known for her long-running radio show, The Cultural Bunker, heard on WRUV 90.1 FM and now also on WBTVLP 99.3 FM. She offers a platform to independent Vermont-based musicians, which allows them the opportunity to expose their music to a wider audience. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and, and you guys can feel, uh, um, get comfortable with those microphones. Pull them right up and uh, make them your friend. There we are. Now we'll, uh, we'll all be talking into microphones and I won't feel nearly so silly. Um, <laughs> so uh, why don't we start at this end of the table. Milo, uh, yes. well, give us a little bit of background about your relationship to community building. And I realize that's a completely broad subject uh, at the at the start, and that's okay. You know, go for it wherever that leads you. I've been doing radio in Burlington for a long time. I started actually when I was a student at the University of Vermont back in summer of '84, and I probably have to say I'm more um, community-minded now than I've ever been, as I see a lot of talent in the local and regional hip-hop community. So I've been trying to make more, I've probably done more interviews with local musician, Vermont-based and regional artists in the last three, four years than all the other years combined. I've really been making an effort to reach out to people, um, to have people supply me with music, especially radio edits, et cetera. Um, I've also started working on a project inside the media gallery with RETN I pitched a 
program of using videos made by Vermont-based hip-hop artists, and we're gonna try and put together a show that will combine showcasing their videos that are Vermont-produced um, from Vermont-based hip-hop artists, uh, filmed by Vermont-based uh, cinematographers, and also intersperse that with video um, interviews. So hoping to film some here, some down at WPDV, and maybe up at RUV during exposure. And just getting to know the artist, introducing some artists to each other who might not be familiar uh, with each other and what they're doing, because there's definitely some people working really hard to, say, do um, a monthly night, like Third Thursdays at the Monkey House, which features hip hop, lo local, Vermont, and regional. Um, things where people do like mini tours, do local hip hop nights in other states, and put something together. Jarvin, Mr. Burns right now have a great tour going on that they got some sponsorship for and they've got tour dates that are taking them in and out of Vermont. So things like that. Thank you, Milo. Uh, Brian, we're gonna, we're gonna keep going down the line. Everybody will make an introduction and then we'll turn to some, some more focused questions. Sounds good. Um, so I've been booking music and uh, other events for since I was 14, so almost 10 years now. Um, and I'm having a similar experience as you, Milo, where much more recently I'm finding myself being community driven and community focused. And I think uh, part of that is um, my, my day job uh, is working with youth in Addison County. And as part of that, I'm creating and sponsoring youth driven, community driven events um, on, on the daily. And like that's, that's what my main focus is. And so when I um, recently have been bringing that into what I'm doing with booking and promoting, um, for me, music has always been important, and I, and I think that uh, I've had a much more recent focus on how can I use the connections that I have to elevate and give a platform to local artists that, um, that really deserve it. And, and I think that every local artist deserves it. Um, and just like pushing forward with that and, and trying to drive as much interaction between people who want to experience live music and, and uh, try to draw them into being in the creative sphere uh, of what I do and what other promoters and bookers do in Burlington. Thank you, Brian. Meredith? Um, well, uh, I have always really loved music. My mom's a music teacher, so it's kind of been around forever. And then uh, I went to college for social work, so I've been working at Howard Center for a while, and uh, I guess one of, I don't know, something I'm working on, I guess, to try to add to the music scene is like making people feel like they're entitled to doing music, even if they're not good at it, and they're like not good at it, whatever. But I don't know, that's, that's me, just in a band, just here. Well, um, and then I guess, um, I kind of also stumbled into the music scene in Burlington. Um, I've been, I guess, with friends and family for about five years now. Um, and most of that capacity was just kind of doing logistical stuff, like working the door at a basement show or doing sound at an event. And it's only more recently, maybe within the past six or so months, that I've kind of started doing more in terms of booking. Um, but throughout, it's always been a small organization kind of focused on 
representing um, local music as well as touring acts, people who don't necessarily get a lot of uh, exposure or might not otherwise find shows in an area, um, trying to highlight um, femme artists, uh, queer artists. Um, and uh, I think you know we're continuing to do that as an organization. So that's, I guess, something that I've really been trying to do and I felt really excited recently um, is just trying to promote people to um, you know, encourage people to engage in a, a local scene and um, one way that we've been doing that is trying to book more locally uh, and book more local acts as opposed to touring acts um, or doing both but with that emphasis um, so yeah I, and I would really like to, I think it's been happening a lot lately I've been noticing there's a lot more bands than I've ever than like in the past year or so than I've seen in a while so um, that's exciting for me and I'm just looking forward to seeing more of that so that was Griffin speaking just a second ago we um, you guys are touching on a lot of different communities of musicians um, a common theme seems to be inclusion or an expansion of who's involved, and that'll be fun to explore. Um, I'm I'm curious to begin with. Do you do you f see a need for, or is there already existing uh, uh, universal tools that might apply to all of your efforts? Um, is there anything out there that might um, be uh, be at hand and something applicable to assist you with your community building in a hip hop community in relation to media and radio or um, you know to uh, supporting bands uh, of many different backgrounds and uh, building building relationships between locals and and touring bands um, and if there isn't uh, what would you imagine that kind of universal tool might be, if if there is one to be thought about in those terms? Well, I think um, the, what comes to mind is immediately social media. And my New Year's resolution last year was to be more involved with social media because I, I really, I, I don't, maybe it's a generational thing, maybe not because there's certainly a lot of people my age on social media, but I wasn't as attached, you know, my phone wasn't an appendage, so to speak. Like you see a lot of young people, they just can't put that down. So social media I find is really important and, and really giving people an opportunity to, you know, share events, just post videos, post music. I found that that has increased my awareness dramatically of what was going on in the in the scene that I've been following, and and that's probably because I didn't go out as much. You know, for a period of time, I was raising kids, and you just can't go out to shows. You know, a lot of independent shows or local shows, you can't get the Friday or Saturday night. You have to be willing to do like the weeknight. That wasn't always necessary. A, necessarily a good time for me personally but I think um, the importance of social media knowing how to use social media effectively as opposed to spamming people 
all the time. If you want to post something, you want that post to really mean something, you want it to catch attention, and you want people to enjoy the post, get something out of the post, or they're not, you know, they're not going to pay attention in the fact. But that is a, a tool that I think if existed even 10 years ago to the force would really change the way people connect and promote. And it used to be all about the posters, and now it's like, no way. I mean, I actually put up a poster for my event a couple. I'm like, I'm putting up posters. I can't believe that. Does anyone really do that anymore? So yeah. We poster but, for events, too. Yeah. yeah. I take great pride in drawing posters. I believe the artwork is really important. I believe the artwork is really important. That's why I still love vinyl, that's for sure. But when I think about when how people find out about shows, is it a poster they see first, or is it an event that's been posted? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to. I mean, I'd have to expand on that. Like that was the first thing that came to my mind too. Was that uh, with social media, there's been this explosion of creativity, which is almost a double-edged sword um, in some ways. But it's really effective. Um, it's an effective tool for for multiple purposes. It's an effective tool for booking. It's an effective tool for uh, promoting a show, whether you're a band or a promoter. Um, and uh, I think that there, you know, we have these great free platforms that are providing services to us. Um, and, and you can kind of get around like the, the capitalist aspects of that if you, if you really try, mm -hmm. so. I mean, that's something that we've thought a lot about too is, um, you know, how to best I mean, just for the sake of putting on a show, you want it to get, you know, get the word out about what you're doing. And, um, and you know, we've when we first started out, it was all word of mouth. It was mostly postering. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then we uh, got a listserv, and uh, people would go to shows and sign up. And you know, maybe they, we'd send out like an email every month or whenever we were having something, kind of ahead of the event. Um, and then as, as it grew, we started doing more Facebook and using Facebook as a, a kind of a tool for event pages. And, um, and that's kind of became our main, our main catalyst for a long time. And I think um, I've, just, I've seen frustration using uh, things like Facebook or Instagram or Tumblr or you know, Twitter or whatever, just because there are, you mentioned like algorithms before, like there's this kind of, you have to pay to get your content advertised. So you know, we're kind of doing, we're trying to do all, all routes. Because I think there is something really nice about like seeing a poster or like hearing about a show from a friend or getting an email like from some, some guy in a, someone's living room typing an email about upcoming events. So um, yeah, I think all, all, all routes are, are still like are valid as, as a universal tool for promoting. And events. certainly, um you know, radio doing interviews, um, shows that happen here at the Radiator, uh, the exposure show up at WREV. Thank you. We uh, uh, there's a lot of a lot of options for us to steer this conversation toward. I'm going to take just a second to say thank you to a few of the uh, supporters that are making this program possible. Uh, we are sitting in front of a row of microphones that are uh, engineered into our broadcast by D3 Media Productions. And I want to send a thanks out to Brian Dewey for, for his, his uh, engineering contribution here tonight. 
I also want to say thank you to the uh, BCA Community Fund for supporting this program in general and uh, the series of events that Big Heavy World has been hosting this week um, that all add up to what we're calling the, the Winter Music Summit. Um, Advanced Music and the Main Street Landing Performing Arts Center are supporting that effort as well. Um, so uh, back to our conversation. Um, we started to touch on the idea that circles of music might be intersecting with other circles of music more and more. Um, and I'm, I, I'd love for you to elaborate on that and maybe include your opinion on uh, whether the subcultures of music locally um, have a reason to try to retain some insularity or if uh, they should be pursuing relationships with other groups of musicians and music styles. Um, and this time we'll stop, start at the other end of the table with Griffin from Friends and Family. Okay. Um, I, I don't see any real reason uh, to make any sort of kind of insular, um, you know, kind of selection of what kind of acts get put on. I think um, there's kind of a strong enough barrier to begin with just in terms of, because by the very fact that there are these kind of little islands of music cultures going on, that you don't need to do anything to try to make that any more, um, you know, isolated. So I think it's like, things like this are great. Like we were talking a little bit before the show, just uh, informally about like, what kinds of things that we do, and I, you know, it's uh, it's these kinds of conversations where we come together and like, you know, meet, you know, different types of music scenes. Uh, and that's great. I know Brian, you were talking, you, you were doing something with DIY Burlington, and maybe you can talk about that a little bit, just um, in terms of facilitating um, these kinds of conversations. One thing that I wanted to note was as like. As a, a group, friends and family, I mean, and I'm sure this extends to anyone who's booking. It, it takes a lot of work to put on a show. The logistics behind it, just um, you know, figuring out who's going to do door, paying the bands, getting equipment around, and just even uh, communicating with bands that are in touch or you know musicians who are getting in touch. And I think um, that can you know, right now there's just maybe four or five of us doing it all, uh, maybe once a week. So. I think it, it's, it takes a lot of work to kind of get that um, just at that base level. So I think it, it would be nice to have some sort of organization that's committed to also bridging these gaps and being that resource. You're talking about universal resources. I think that's a resource that could be useful because it's not the easiest thing to add on top of kind of doing the base level work that it takes to put on events. Um, and that's something that we strive to do, but anything, you know, building a community, I think that's part of what the community could be. Thank you. Yeah, Meredith? Um, forgive me, I'm a little nervous. Uh, ways to bridge the gap or reasons to keep music culture separate, is that? It, your thoughts in general, you know, we, we I, I guess, oh, go ahead. I'm just, that's an interesting thing, because I feel like that type of, uh, we're kind of at a point in the world where we have access to a lot of different ways of being, and that kind of question, like, 
how much do we exchange with people who are different from us and how much do we retain like something that feels like ours and I feel like that's a really good thing to be thinking about I think that it I mean going forward with like respect in every like action I guess would be a good way to guide how much you like exchange with someone but just in terms of just doing stuff in Burlington with different genres of artists or types of people collaborating together. I think if it empowers you to uh, to work with people who do very different things from you, I think it's like a really refreshing thing and can produce new stuff that doesn't sound like anything else. And that's worth pursuing, but you have to make sure that you're, you know, going forward with respect, like you're not just coming in and like taking up more space in the a circle than, than you're entitled to, you know? I think uh, the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen uh, booking shows and playing shows, uh, and I've been lucky enough to experience this multiple times, is when somebody comes to see the hardcore punk band and stays for the acoustic singer-songwriter. Um, <laughs> So I, I'm like a huge supporter of mixing every single genre together. Um, I'm sure you're going to touch on this, but we talked a little bit before um, we started doing all of this. And uh, a lot of, I, I'd say 50% of the people that I, that I speak to daily um, are, are genre-less. And uh, they don't subscribe, or they might think that they subscribe to a particular sub culture or subgroup of music, um, but they're really, they're, they're all ears and they're all willing to listen. And I think, um, Griffin, you were kind of mentioning DIY Burlington, and, and I think it's specifically for, for this, uh, for this comment, um, you know, I, I think that DIY Burlington needs to be open for everyone and like, um, shows need to be open for everyone and they need to be welcoming and inviting and, uh, and that means taking the risk to have, uh, have that hardcore punk band on with a, with a singer-songwriter. Um, yes, definitely we were talking about genreless. Uh, a lot of young people, there isn't a particular, I think going back to uh, not just social media but also the internet in general, there's a lot more exposure for young people to all types of music easier access so they are open to more they but in terms of the communities intermingling more once you get outside of say something like waking windows which i think does a really successful job and each year gets better in terms of incorporating so many different types of musicians and genre and, and making a point to have all genres covered as best they can um, we need more of that. We need someone who can say this is, uh, my purpose is to have like a mixed genre show. I know from the hip hop scene, I see a lot of really good hip hop acts, but I don't necessarily see them um, incorporating across other genres. And I'm not so sure on one level, I think, well, it's good in terms of promoting the genre within the area and helping to bring regional hip-hop artists so that when 
they're back in their areas, be it in Portland or Boston, they can help make arrangements for artists that brought them up here and got them a gig. So in, in that sense, it's, it's good to be, I don't want insular, but more in a supportive way. But it, it would be nice to have more shows mix it up a little bit. Um, radio definitely does that. I mean, a lot of, when you listen to the college radio and community radio, the DJs are very eclectic overall. They rarely focus on one specific genre. Some do, but there are a lot of eclectic DJs. But um, I'm not sure, like, what would be, I feel like I could, I mean, meeting the three of you is, is great for me, to, to meet other people that are doing things. I mean, I definitely want to have your contact information when I leave, um, build some bridges, and uh, come up with ideas to do other things. But um, I guess I'm saying I think it's insular, and I think it doesn't have to be. And there's definitely events that go on that aren't, but we need more of them, uh. ultimately. If you're just tuning in to the program, you're listening to Rocket Shop, Big Heavy World's local music radio hour. It's usually every Wednesday at 8 p.m. And it's supported in part by Advance Music, a full-line music store offering instruments and gear, band and orchestra rentals, electronic and stringed instrument repair services. You're local, we're local. Advance, it's been all about the music for more than 30 years located at 75 Maple Street in Burlington and online at advancemusicvt.com. Uh, we're speaking here with uh, Griffin Jones from Friends and Family, Brian LeClaire from the band Better Things and DIY Burlington, Meredith Davey from the band Gestalt, and Milo Grant, a uh, community radio enthusiast on with a program on WRUV 90.1 and WBTVLP 99.3. Um, we're having a conversation about building community uh, among uh, the music family um, in Burlington or even in a larger region. And we're digging into a few questions that are uh, uh, analyzing maybe our place in, uh, in our status as a community and where we might go and what might hold us up from getting there. And uh, maybe by sort of working our way through a conversation like this, we'll open some, some doors to ideas for some picking up some momentum towards positive change. Um, either way, it's, it's a pleasure to be sitting at a table with everybody here because there's a lot of good energy um, oriented towards ensuring that we have a healthy, open-minded, inclusive scene. And, um, and it's fun to be uh, sort of you know, working the questions with you guys. So thank you all for, for being here. We're about midway through the show, and, uh, and we'll continue with uh, the conversation. Um, Milo, how should somebody in our local public try to discover music that's new to them in our local scene? Um, and 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 please f feel welcome to you know sort of expand that question in whatever direction you're comfortable answering it. Um, From a, a listener perspective, or a musician seeking exposure, or both. Uh, the question I think started as okay if we have healthy-minded music communities in our region, how would somebody who hasn't yet discovered each of these music communities? find them? Um, and, and is there a question of whether they'd be welcomed into each of those? 
or uh, what tools are the best for identifying, you know, safe ways for people to step into music or subcultures they're not yet familiar with? Certainly. So <coughs> coming from my radio background, I'm a huge advocate of people seeking out college radio, community radio, because the purpose of these type of stations is specifically to expose people in the community to music that they can't hear anyplace else. That because it's not as well known, quote unquote, and it doesn't serve a quote unquote commercial purpose, um, there are limitations to what they can hear and be exposed to on commercial outlets. So I have, and that's probably explains why I've been so involved um, with college and community radio for so long, is because I really see the value of it. And I get a lot of feedback about people who, when they hear things or they hear an artist who comes to talk about what they're doing or they take a chance on the show because they heard the interview or they heard the music because a DJ played it. Um, the community radio and people seeking out community in college radio, I think is really important because that's the first place that you can get exposure. And then maybe it will take you, um, I actually played something and then I had someone send me this message, hey, thanks a lot, I'm on their, um, their SoundCloud page. I thought these guys are great and I'm really loving what I'm hearing. So things like that, they hear something, it takes them to the, the social media aspect, the SoundCloud, the Bandcamp, and expands things a little bit further. Um, and that's why I'm really trying to support and encourage artists to make sure they put themselves out there to college and community radio who are willing to have them on, who say, we would love to have you come on to talk about what you're doing, to play what you're doing. And please send radio edits. It's like the worst thing. Oh, you're here to talk, but you didn't bring me a radio edit, you know. Or the best songs you have on your CD, you don't have radio edits for. So be prepared, be prepared. But um, definitely college and community radio, very important. I'll, I'll step in to make an editorial comment before you speak, Brian. And that is to say that when we built the radiator, uh, it was roughly 2004 to 2007 that it was under construction. And WRUV up at UVM was uh, an ally in that effort, uh, providing us with donations of equipment and shelving that we still use and treasure. And I want to send a, a congratulations out to you and Lou and Bill and Seth and everybody involved in um, bringing to Burlington a new uh, heartfelt outlet for our community to experience uh, for radio uh, at WBTV LP. It's just wonderful to have our family getting larger and you know the what you're describing as a value to our community you know we believe in wholeheartedly Absolutely. as well so thank you. Brian? Yeah um, I'm actually going to speak to something a little bit like different um, but related to the question which is um, one of the reasons, as I was booking more and more um, basement shows and DIY shows, uh, one of the things that I started hearing as feedback was that uh, there's actually a significant amount of people who are worried about going to that kind of that kind of event. 
um, and they're worried because they don't know what to expect, and they're worried that they're not going to feel safe, and they're worried that they're not going to be respected. Um, and so that was the, the fundamental reason behind uh, DIY Burlington and like um, why a, a few venues and a few DIY promoters are on board with it and, uh, and making it happen. Um, because uh, it's really important to all of us that everyone knows what to expect and what to expect of themselves when they come out to DIY shows and it keeps everyone feeling safe. And so uh, I think that that's really important in a community to, to, uh, to drive people out to shows, to, to drive listeners um, to seeking out new music. Um, just to be able to have a community where you're saying you're supported and you're cared about and we respect you even though we're meeting you just for the first time. Thank you. Meredith? I feel like one of the... I mean, a lot of stuff uh, just recently with... Um, there's been a lot of cases of like people being abused coming out and like sharing their story and coming forward and that's been like kind of a topic of conversation in, I don't know, the world recently. And one of the things that I've been thinking about and I've been having conversation with maybe some of my friends that I have a different uh, perspective on worldview kind of, um, and it's kind of about like when do you know when something is, is equal or when do you know something is, is like at a point where we don't need to fix it anymore. And I don't know, it's, if people are voicing on any level that there is something wrong, it's really important that we don't try to, I don't know, pick apart people coming forward with, with uh, I don't know, thoughts and feelings regarding like the space we're creating, the culture we're creating. Like it's really important to take every individual's perspective into account rather than just like trying to paint large swaths of safe space because that doesn't really work if you can't guarantee everyone can be safe. Like make sure that you're willing to follow up on, I don't know. Because I've, I've been to a few shows where they've been like, it's a safe space and you get there and there's never any like mention of, of that, like affirming that. Um, the intention of making that the case. And I feel like that's really important right now just because like sometimes it needs to be like set a bunch and make sure that that's, we know that that's like the baseline we're expecting now. So yeah, and I guess all that boils down to is just making sure we're listening to the people who, who are telling us where the problems are and not like second guessing them and making sure we're believing and trusting our community members to like I don't know, just be offering perspective to build a better thing for everybody. Thank you. I, I, I realize that I've said thank you to you guys over and over. <laughs> I understand that, and every time I do, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what I meant to say. So, you know, I'm, I'm here as a radio host and a facilitator of a conversation, and at the same time, as a human being over here at this end of the table, you know, the fact that I get to be, you know, witness firsthand to, you know, what, what you guys are expressing, it, 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 it's meaningful to me, and the thank you is authentic when, 
when it sounds as silly as it does. So uh, I appreciate your patience for that. Um, Griffin. And I, th I think just to continue on that idea, um, the emphasis is on the community and the emphasis is on especially people who are putting on shows to um, you know, make the spaces, at the, not only make the spaces and in the moment safe, but also choosing venues that are, um, you know, that you can, that can be safe, that are, and people won't feel uncomfortable going into. Um, that's been something that we've, you know, um, had to navigate, and uh, it's it just it's just it's not difficult. It just takes consideration, and um, so I think that's an important part of of being a showbooker is taking the, taking those considerations um, kind of as a given. Um, I also wanted to point out um, that there is there is a I think there's a great discussion going on in town um, about these exact kinds of things. Uh, there's a group uh, I wanted to give a shout out to called Tuned In. Um, it's run by a, a community of women and femmes um, who meet and with with the sole purpose of well not sole purpose but partly with the purpose of discussing what can happen in this community and I think um, you know this is a great discussion I think there's a, a lot of discussions happening in town surrounding this idea and so it just takes people uh, need, people need to engage in that and listen to that kind of yeah and going off that I think that like I played at the tuned in Halloween party and that was just it was such a I don't know like the way they've just like crafted that space to be just I don't know it was really wonderful if I don't know if any of you went you it was just uh, magical but it the I don't know the folk the whole thing with that is just like making sure every single person has like is empowered to speak and like give their perspective wholeheartedly without feeling like they're sharing too much or being too demanding and I don't know it was yeah they're great I feel like they're they're uh they're gonna be a really good insight and people to like I don't know yeah. be helpful with a lot of things I think I think the original question of like what what can be done to get people who don't necessarily know about events I feel like one of the advantages of Burlington is that it's so small that after you've spent you know some time in town you kind of Maybe you have a friend who goes to events, or maybe you see posters, or you know, if if you're if people are looking for things, I think it's not always too difficult to find it. Maybe you're limited by you know, like your social scene and all that, but um, yeah, I think the real barriers are just these kinds of other other things that we've been talking about, and um, yeah, I guess that's kind of my thought there. You're listening to Rocket Shop on 105.9 FM. The Radiator. Our guests at the table are Griffin Jones, Brian LeClaire, Meredith Davey, and Milo Grant. Rocket Shop is brought to us in part by Computers for Change, buying, selling, and repairing Mac and PC laptops on College Street in Burlington, Vermont. Computers for Change donates computers to local organizations in need through its computer grant program. Visit computersforchange.com. And the, uh, the program tonight is a Vermont Arts 2017 event. More information about that can be found at vermontartscouncil.org. So 
the conversation so far um, has has happened at, at different levels of, of thought. We've, we've talked about uh, the medium scale subcultures and whether they're interacting with other subcultures or genres. We've talked about the quality of communication that should happen on the individual level. We've talked about how there's a rising uh, awareness of the need for uh, a very overt um, message of safety and inclusion in our scene. And uh, I, I wonder to myself do you, what your thoughts are on whether our location uh, has uh, any influence on what we're talking about. Is Burlington or Vermont uniquely placed? Are we at a level of conversation now that we would expect any other music scene to be at? Are we benefiting from any particular you know, favored place in history that we can have a conversation like this here in Burlington. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, the, the question's a little long and wandering, but I'm, I mean for it to open a door that you can just sort of, you know, bring your own message to. Oh, uh, Mila, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, I think Burlington is like the perfect location. Uh, one of the reasons I always stayed here, I was originally born and raised in New York City. And when I grew up in New York City, I had a great love for music and would just go see a lot of different shows. And what I found about Burlington was this um, proximity to New York, to Boston, and to Montreal. And I think it's one of the reasons Burlington, over the years, has, um, we had Club Toast, we had Metronome, we had Higher Ground. Um, they're able to get a lot of really good acts because they're stopping, they're doing that East Coast loop, you know, Montreal down to Boston to New York. Oh, we've got a day off, why don't we try this town? We hear this town's a really, you know, happening place. So I think, um, the location lends itself to be on a music tour circuit. I think we can, and I know uh, strictly from the hip hop community, I see more of our local hip hop artists, our Vermont based artists, definitely working on getting into those, those tour circuits on the New England East Coast way. Um, if you can get these nights established, then you can say to, uh, artist who's more well-known, maybe not necessarily mainstream, but a nationally well-known artist, and you say, you're on tour, we've got five dates in New England where you can be a headliner. And then you have the regional and local artists who get to be on that show and get added exposure because somebody that people come out to see somebody that's more nationally known. So I definitely have seen that over the years where um, all of a sudden a group shows up in Burlington. It's not even on its original tour schedule or not just shows up, it wasn't on their tour schedule, but they were like, oh, well, let's, let's fit this in. So I think we um, need to capitalize a little bit more on that. Um, how, do's, how does the city of Burlington, I mean, I don't really see the city of Burlington from a governmental standpoint promoting the musical aspect of the city outside of things like the Burlington Jazz Festival or First Night. So I feel like the city of Burlington could be doing a lot more. Um, just a thought there. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, I almost got, can I tell this? 
story. You know what I'm saying? No, but I'm already laughing. I uh, I almost got kicked out of uh, the final 242 main show while I was at while I was on stage um, for discussing how the city of Burlington uh, systemically deconstructed that venue over the course of 30 years. And uh, no, I mean that's that's exactly how I feel. And I think for me, I'm really passionate about. Um, a, a space like 242 Maine uh, because of the impact it could have had for youth. Um, and while I was involved, that wasn't really a thing. Like, I, uh, I came in while it was a show space, and now it's, now it's not anything. Um, and uh, I think that with Burlington, there's definitely the chance and the opportunity of being a big fish in a small pond. Um, and I think that when I meet touring acts who are coming through and playing shows that I'm booking, they're very excited to be here and they're very excited about um, the musical atmosphere. Um, because there's, for a city this size, there's a lot of activity. Um, and I, I really do think that the city could be doing more to promote that um, beyond, jazz is incredible, but there's, there's definitely opportunity beyond jazz musicians. No disrespect to jazz musicians, but we're just saying. <laughs> Meredith, take a turn if you'd like. Okay, Griffin. Um, I guess thinking about Burlington as a, I, I definitely agree with what Milo was saying about the um, idea of Burlington being uh, kind of on the touring circuit. Uh, um, it's nice to hear that's happening for hip hop as well, because that's definitely. The, one of the foundations of why, of why friends and family has been able to, um, you know, get touring acts is because you know bands that are com coming from Montreal or you know, going to New York or or Boston or, you know, we're kind of like in the in the middle of uh, all these routes, um, and uh, so yeah, I, geographically I think that that's helpful. Um, on on another note, like. One thing with the city of Burlington is that we haven't, you know, we do a lot of like, you know, underground shows, house shows, things that maybe aren't like uh, officially sanctioned by the city, but we uh, have either been lucky enough or just you know, to never really run into problems with um, getting shut down. I think we're talking about this a little bit or before the show started, just uh, informally, but the idea that like, uh, you know, I think that's a barrier a lot of people have with doing kind of house shows or doing basement shows is worrying that they'll get a noise violation. Um, and so maybe to the city's credit or maybe just to the people doing house shows credit that they take proper actions. There are things you can do to avoid that. And in my time booking basement shows, I think I've only ever seen that happen once, maybe like five years ago. So. Um, maybe geographically, there is that help of just I've I've seen the city to be pretty lax about that kind of stuff, and that's definitely been helpful in in having events. You know, I hope I didn't just like 
you know, spill the beans, and now the cops are going to be. We're a creative city, and it should be intuited, if not understood objectively, that creative people are going to be creative. And and that, this sort of leads what what you mentioned, Brian, and what what you just touched on, Griffin, leads to my next question for you all, which is, you know, we've talked about the quality of communication among you know the the music community, relationship building, but we haven't really drilled into whether we have infrastructure that supports community building or a healthy scene that that give that provides a platform for all of the you know positive minded stuff we're talking about to occur on and uh, i i have a more direct personal relationship to 242 main and advocacy to save it um, and the values that i perceive it to have sort of stood for for a long while being uh, you know, an opportunity for young people to be, um, uh, to create a uh, personal relationship with their cultural community. And I, you know, I, I feel that having a formative environment like that is important for any community. Um, but we understand that Memorial Auditorium was neglected by our city government. They admit this. This isn't an accusation. This is their words, essentially, um, to the point where it was it deteriorated and is no longer available to us as a cultural institution. And there's there's two stages in in Memorial, and nearly a hundred years of you know performance that occurred there. So if if the if the city has been neglectful from its leadership of our infrastructure, and we aren't demanding of having infrastructure sustained. You know, are we missing something? Um, is there infrastructure we should be um, expecting of ourselves as a community that we don't have but should? Or are we making do with what we have very happily? And Griffin, I'll start with you if you want to respond. Yeah, I think there's a, right now I think there's a lot of different kind of, it seems like there's levels to music venues. Um, you know, maybe at the, the, you know, at the base level, you have like kind of informal house shows, and then um, above that, maybe you have uh, more like gallery spaces. Like we've worked in some gallery spaces, like the BCA, or you know, spaces owned by the BCA. And then above that, you have maybe. I mean, this is just totally in my head. This isn't. <laughs> but you have like you know, like more um, kind of mid-range venues, like Arts Riot, right next door, or. Uh, and our signal kitchen, and then you know, then you have like the guys, the big name, right? Like um, higher ground and that kind of stuff. So, but I, I think within that there is room to have like you know a municipal kind of area for music. Um, um, just something that like makes it easier to have kind of a, a bigger stage without having to be. Um, you know, a touring musician or having this this kind of big draw because like, there is definitely is this kind of economic um, barrier. Like you have to have some sort of draw to play at you know a bigger venue. So I think you know that that is maybe an area where there could be some sort of city um, stepping in. Although you know, I think the BCA, in the absence of that, has done a pretty good job at least of trying to offer spaces for for musicians and. Um, for people who want to do that kind of thing, it just there is like some kind of red tape I found that work goes along with that. So, yeah, that's my, my take on that. Okay. 
Um, could Burlington do to make the music infrastructure better? Um, honestly, speaking from the standpoint of just a, a band, a, a bassist in a band who's kind of really just started playing, I mean, we've relatively, we've only been doing stuff for a year and mostly just, uh, I think we played Higher Ground once and that was a big deal. But, um, I don't know. I, I guess it might be, I don't know, it would be interesting, I think. I know this like exists a little bit kind of with uh, within the music community where people have spaces and they kind of share and use the space to like do their whatever their creative thing is like over Pine Street we're mixing our record with Charlie over there and it's nice but it's also like um, like he's he's um, sharing that space with a lot of people and it's like a it's got a lot of spiky edges in there and I think it's he said it was like owned by the city I'm not really sure what the deal is with that but I guess for, until I knew him, I really didn't have any access to like a, a studio or a space to be doing music. Like after you graduate, or I just recently graduated from school, we had a little space like there, just a room people could use or something. But there's not really like, it's hard to find that kind of space around here. Like as a musician, like if I wanna live in Burlington for you know, affordable. It's going to be a real tiny place. So right now we're playing loud music in our tiny little living room. And I don't know. I, I wonder if, I, I don't know if this was, I feel like I heard somebody talking about this somewhere in travels this week, but it would be cool to have a, a space that people could um, use kind of more openly like different uh, community musicians regardless of like connection to the actual scene that might be you know, beneficial for just learners I guess yeah like I definitely I definitely agree with that like I think there's a lot of overlap and uh, a lot of mismatch when it comes to creative people um, like there are creative people who like making music and like performing for people, and then there are creative people who like knitting quilts, and like that's totally creative too, and that's totally awesome. Um, and so I, I think that there's some opportunity for those sort of mismatches to, to come together in Burlington, and I don't know whether or not I really believe it's, it, it would be best suited by the city taking action on it. Um, like I think there are a lot of people who are invested in it that are already doing it, and uh, I think I, I truly believe that there are connections being made um, that can make really special spaces happen um, above what's already what's already going on. Um, from an infrastructure, it, it's kind of interesting because I think people within their scenes. Um, have their own spaces, as we are just speaking on. Um, and it also depends on, like, are you a producer? So you just need, like, just a little area for your equipment to 
come up with your beats? Um, are you an MC and you just need your notebook or your phone to tag your lyrics? And so you can have really small spaces, but if you are part of a group or a band or you want to have get that practice to do shows to you know to, to take it on the road or take it in the city I mean there's great places like Radio Bean which I think does a phenomenal job of giving a lot of musicians opportunities to play for the first time but it would be it's one of the things I missed about 242 for young people especially in, in the rock camp that used to be there um, a great space for youth and people to practice, to not be um, concerned about noise, because that can affect how you play. If you are constantly paranoid about upsetting your neighbors or getting a noise violation, that can affect what you're, you're putting out, you're not putting it. So having a space where people can go and not worry about that, I think would be really important. Um, I feel like the Flynn space, that space downstairs is, underutilized, they do do some great things there, but I feel like they could do more there. Um, but, it, so I, I would like to see a more a city supported space, um, especially for the younger musicians in the area, even if there was like a nominal fee. I mean, I feel like there would be some bands or groups or even some artists that would pay a nominal fee to be able to use a space, a performance space where they didn't have to worry had access to certain equipment, didn't have to worry about um, noise violations, et cetera. Our time is coming to a close. Um, before we wrap up, I want to um, bring a couple people uh, into mind here who were unable to join us tonight. One uh, panelist, Scotty Raymond. Scotty's involved in hip hop as a promoter. He's a, a founder producer of the Above the Radar Graffiti Festival. Uh, he's a original prankster with Ant Hill Collective. He hosts Third Thursday's Hip Hop Showcase and uh, MC Burlington Hip Hop Supergroup. Uh, Bless the Child, he's a member of. Um, check out facebook.com slash anthillcollectivevt uh, and instagram.com slash eskaeone to learn more about what Scotty's involved in. Um, it's, um, and also, our uh, AmeriCorps member uh, and coordinator of our youth programs here at Big Heavy World is Caleb Humphrey, and he's in uh, overnight training in Montpelier with the AmeriCorps program. So he would have been behind this microphone instead of me tonight, and uh, I feel uh, blessed to have had the opportunity to be the person, you know, at this end of the table um, speaking with you. And, uh, and Caleb, you're in our thoughts as well. Um, next week, when Rocket Shop returns, It'll be in a special circumstance. We'll be next door at Arts Riot. Uh, and on stage will be Xenia Dunford and Old Sky. Uh, once a month, we're producing the show there with extended performances. Um, the public is welcome. It's an all-ages show. And it's uh, produced by Big Heavy World, RETN, and Arts Riot uh, with support from the BCA Community Fund. Um, so everybody's welcome to join us. And before we leave the program with music from Xenia Dunford, uh, I want to say thank you uh, to you, Griffin Jones, Brian LeClaire, Meredith Davy, and Milo Grant for joining us here on Rocket Shop for this conversation about building music communities in Burlington and Vermont. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom, your time, your energy. Um, 
and thanks for being a, a friend to this music scene. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks.